Hello everyone and welcome to Celebrating Cinema. I'm your host and producer Elliot. This is a podcast made by Lab111, a cult favourite cinema here in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Music is by Hugo Emmerzao and artwork by Studio FFF. Please make sure to leave us a review and follow us on whatever platform you're listening to us. You can also follow us on Instagram at Lab111 where we announce all the latest news on upcoming episodes. But now, for this episode, we are delighted to announce that we have had the pleasure to interview Gaspar Noé. Why? Well, not only is his latest film Vortex due to be screened here in the Netherlands, but we are also running a retrospective on his works, from films like Irreversible, to Enter the Void, to Climax to Love, and also the latest film Vortex. But not only are we screening these, we are also screening some of his favourites, from Profondo Rosso, an opera by Dario Argento, who also stars in his latest film Vortex. And of course, we would not be forgetting the infamous Salo, one of Noé's favourite films. But how do we know this, I hear you ask? Well, he listed this in none other than Mubi, hand-picked streaming platform of curated cinema, which we are currently partners with. You can find all this at mubi.com slash lab111, where you get 30 days for free. And you can also read some more of Noé's long list of favourite films. Now, let's hear what Gaspar has to say as he speaks with Kiriko. On est bien peu de choses Et mon ami la rose Me l'a dit ce matin Pourquoi tu Qu'est-ce que tu as pu passer C'était cherché partout, partout le quartier. Hello everyone, welcome to Celebrating Cinema, a podcast for the love of cinema by Lab 111. I'm your host, Kiriko, and today I am very happy to say that we are joined by notorious bad boy of cinema to talk about his latest film, Vortex, Mr. Gaspar Noé. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm always amused when people say I'm a bad boy or an enfant terrible. You don't agree? No, I'm a man. <laughs> I'm not a boy anymore. <laughs> I wish I was a boy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, you have a lot of uh, uh, films that uh, are about boys, of course. Yeah, Maybe yeah, this is kids, the first yeah. old yeah, man film. About uh, sleazy teenagers, yeah. But, uh, so that's why this time I wanted to do something else. Yes, the, the bad man. I'm not addicted to use. <laughs> okay. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody is a little bit uh, addicted yeah, yeah. to youth. Yeah. So uh, your film, uh, which is now to be screened in cinemas here in the Netherlands, has been out for quite a while already. So you have been touring with Vortex. Uh, the movie was shown in, uh, at Cannes last year, you know, in, in 2021. Uh, I shot the movie very, very quickly. Uh, I delivered very quickly. But then uh, because of the, the COVID and the confinement issues, uh, many movies of the last year were put on hold and distributed this year for to to make the the commercial release more successful. So the the movie finally came out in France, in the United States, in England uh, last April, last May, and now um, now it's finally coming out here. In, but the movie didn't age. <laughs> we make movies with old people they don't age <laughs> no that's that's uh it's timeless in that sense it's, but do you still i mean i can imagine that you have been uh having so many conversations about your latest film but also your work in general do you still enjoy talking about your, uh, your films i enjoy when i'm talking about something else than my own movie for example yesterday i did a an interview for the volcrant and they said, what's your favorite food? And I said, barbecue. So I, I spent like 20 minutes talking about barbecue. Oh, that's or, nice. Or, or, um, 
or then what's your favorite what's the favorite poster of your collection then i could talk about my favorite poster of my collection but the um, uh mostly when you do a movie especially a movie that is a little bit linked to your own life even if the movie is not autobiographical you get the same question over and over mm-hmm. every 20 30 minutes when you're promoting your movie so uh I, my mother had alzheimer so uh, the every 20 minutes i get the same question from yeah. a different person in a different language saying oh can you talk us about your mother's alzheimer and they say okay and, and then uh, then you get another question oh it seems you had a brain hemorrhage can you talk about your brain hemorrhage but it's like every 20 30 minutes you restart the same conversation with someone else and at the end of the day you you've met like 10 people and uh, it feels like you've been tested by psychanalysts by shrinks yeah who, who want to see if you respond the same uh, you give the same answer to the same question over and over and I so will, it's I really promise it's, to not it's, ask it's, you questions it's about your exhausting <laughs> uh, because it's, no, it's very repetitive but still the, the the good thing of promoting the movies that you you travel a lot so you you always ask for one or two additional days to hang out in tokyo in paris in I was invited to Moscow, but I didn't go to Moscow. Ah, okay. <laughs> Is there? Uh, yeah, I can. I can imagine. I will try to do my best. It's just because I knew my credit card wouldn't work there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I will. Uh, I'm sorry. I will. Maybe I can ask you about your your favorite breakfast and lunch later. But I will. I, I have to ask you some questions about uh, your new film. Um, maybe you could uh, very briefly uh, for those who have not seen it. Tell us what your film is about. Uh, it's about an, an old couple. Uh, the movie starts when um, the the woman who used to be a psychiatrist uh, starts having uh, symptoms of Alzheimer, and so uh, then it's a story. I know the whole the whole story in the movie probably takes three months or two months, we don't know, the, 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 and it's uh, the decay of this woman who's trying to deal with her loss of memory while her husband, who's a film critic, is, is dealing with heart problems and their son, they have just one son and a little son. Uh, the son is an ex-junkie trying to deal with his drug addiction, so it's like, a, it feels like, it's like it was a psychological horror movie or a, or. or I would say a catastrophe movie like the Titanic, where you know everything's gonna get worse every every minute, and it gets worse and worse every minute. But hopefully, in life, there is one solution. It's called death. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's uh, it does indeed has a very very uh, slow, uh, very calm decay almost. I think it is something that we are not uh, used to seeing when it comes to your previous work I, I would say that a lot of people say that it is your mildest uh, no way so yeah, far but, uh, the, the, if you're to, my previous feature film was climax uh it dealt with young dancers who are around 18 years old and they're very young uh, full of energy on uh and they drink alcohol and they do drugs in the movie so the the, the movie had to be speedy as as the characters in this case, the the main couple is eight years old, and yeah, the 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 pace of old people is, is slower. But you pay more attention to the to the location you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> when you follow them. You yeah. can see all the posters, all the books on the shelves. Yeah, that is, that is something <laughs> you can, that you do in a. You can a lot see how work. many uh, how many pills they take every day. There are boxes and boxes of medication. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
it is uh, one thing that I I very much enjoy about all of your films is that uh, you place your characters within a world of your own inspiration. Actually, I've heard that you just came back from a film poster shop here uh, yeah. in Amsterdam, and you seem to do that in a, in a lot of your work. What what is the reasoning behind that? What uh, is what do uh, your characters get from uh, this film world? Uh, I don't know. The, talking about movie posters, uh, I'm addicted to um, collections in general. Not only movie posters. Uh, I've been collecting things since I'm a kid. It was comic books, then then it was DVDs, then it was uh, Blu-rays, and and nowadays I spend all my nights checking uh, movie posters websites or propaganda posters websites. And uh, I don't buy clothes. I don't, I don't like going to to trendy restaurants. Uh, I mostly like spending my movie usefully buying movie posters. <laughs> Is there a, a prize poster that you haven't been able to get your hands on? Oh, yeah, there's uh, there's a few, yeah. Uh, there's one or two uh, of 2001 Space Odyssey that I still don't have. Oh, yeah. The most expensive one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, good luck. I hope uh, it will be yours one day. Um, one of the two main characters of your new film is your... Uh, friend and fabulous uh, director uh, uh, Dario Argento yeah. and I can imagine that it, it is very exciting but maybe come also with some complications to direct another director. No it, it did not. Uh, what really helped uh, me to convince him to be in the movie is that we met 30 years ago we became friends that I knew that he liked my movies and I liked his and we would we have a very like um, friendly relationship but almost like a a family relationship because I became very close to uh, Asia and uh, Asia also convinced him to, to, to work in my movie but uh, uh, for me he's like an uncle so when um, when I I was proposed the movie uh, during the confinement with one location and two three characters uh, by my producers I said oh yeah I have one idea let's do a movie about an old couple dealing with the, the woman's Alzheimer and their son so uh, my very first idea for the the mother's character was to propose it to Françoise Lebrun that I admire uh, for her incredible performance in an old French movie called The Mother and the Whore, La Maman Putain. And so I had her number, I had met her once, I called her and she said, okay, yeah, I could be interested, but where's the script? She said, there's no script, especially in your case, you you will be mumbling, so it's not important what you're going <laughs> to say. And she got kind of scared, but she, she started watching my movies. I don't know if she really liked my movies, but she liked, she thought I was a cool person. But so, um, but she was very worried about who would play the, the, the husband. And my very first idea for the husband was Divergento because uh, um, I wanted characters that would be charismatic and that you would want to hug when you see them like dealing with their physical problems or mental problems. And uh, I always thought that, that Dario, when he was uh, interviewed on TV or when he was on stage introducing his movie, he was the coolest, funniest, lovely director that, that you could dream of. And um, besides being the, 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 the great horror film director that he is, but... Um, uh, and Probably also, if there's one movie that inspired me to, to do this movie, it's Umberto De by, uh, by De Sica. Ah, uh, An movie from the 50s, and it's a story of an old man who cannot, uh, who's out of money and who's, well, he's 80 years old, and, and he's got a dog that's uh, his only love in life is his dog, but he cannot feed the dog, so at a point he wants to, to, to kill the dog. 
because he's ashamed of not being able to feed the, the dog. And it's a very sad movie. And the main actor in the movie uh, was a skinny Italian guy who was not an actor. And uh, and that actor kind of reminded me uh, that we are gentle. They, so they look alike also a little bit. So that's when 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 I when I told him oh, I have this idea for a movie that we could shoot quickly in Paris, but uh, I don't have a script. I just have a, like a, a synopsis or a treatment that it's um, seven pages long, but. Uh, if you, uh, I, I switched the size of the letter, so I made it 10 pages by making the <laughs> by putting the letters in bigger fonts, but it was just seven pages originally. But um, I told me, you're not a, a natural. I, I guess you don't have more memory than I do. So um, you'll be improvising all your your dialogues. And we talked about Umberto De, he loved that movie. So he ended up saying, okay, I'll do the movie. And uh, it was extremely pleasant because it's like, I, I never felt I was working. I felt I was doing a movie and sharing the, 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 the creation of this movie with actors that I admired, like um, Francois Robin or Alex Lutz, who plays the son. But also, I, was, I felt I was not co-directing, but creating something with Divergento that I always loved as a director and as a person. And so uh, we shot the movie in four weeks. And uh, also Dario, when he directs his own movies, he never does more than two, three takes. Uh, and in my case, I was always doing like five, six takes, sometimes 12. But uh, after the second, third take, he would say, yeah, we're done. It's over. He uh, decided for you. <laughs> yeah. He said, the last take was perfect. So, okay, I'm going back to the hotel. <laughs> but, and actually, he was right. But yeah, he says, well, if, if you're good, you don't need to reshoot it. Just reshoot when there was a problem. And so I learned to, to work fast. And probably the good thing also of him like saying, okay, we're done with the scene, uh, is that uh, uh, then I could go to another scene. So we managed to keep the whole process of shooting the movie. Uh, inside the schedule of four weeks. Yeah. If he had accepted to, to do the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh take, uh, probably the, 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 the whole production would have taken six weeks. Yeah, but aren't you afraid that then maybe it would have been uh, a film that was more to your liking? No, no, because the, actually his performance was perfect. So, yeah. but yeah, no, it's like, a, no. Yeah. So people are more, more shy and some people are totally uninhibited. And you saw the critique was good, so he said, okay. Yeah, well, he had a fabulous, uh, fabulous performance. And I, I was not going to, to, to get a body double to, to, to do an additional take. So wow. the, but yeah, I'm, I'm extremely, extremely happy with the result of, of the film. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing. Uh, when I see it, there's nothing that I would want to retouch. Sometimes you, you do movies and you screw the one scene because I know that you got drunk the previous night or, or, or the actor did. And, and you always regret that that scene is not as good as it could have been. But um, when I watch Vortex, there is not one single frame that I want to retouch. Wow, that's beautiful. Congratulations on that. And is it, uh, it's, I, I guess it's also quite an honor to uh, be uh, asked as an actor, as a director. Is there someone who, if, who would ask you, a director, that you would say yes for? Uh, I, th I think like the many directors uh, uh, who want to work with other directors mostly want to go for for the masters of cinema that they admired as film students, and uh, um, 
Ingmar Bergman, he proposed Victor Sjöström, who was like the, 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 the master of uh, the silent Swedish cinema to play in uh, the Wild Strawberries. But um, uh, Victor Sjöström was also an actor. Uh, Billy Wilder, he proposed uh, Eric von Stroheim to, to, to play in Sunset Boulevard and also to Cecil Bedemin, but uh, Eric von Stroheim was also an actor. Then sometimes some directors proposed to directors who are not actors, like um, uh, Godard proposed to Fritz Lang to be in yeah, Le yeah. Mépris, The Contempt, and, and Fritz Lang plays a director and he's excellent in that movie. And uh, in my case, I knew that Dario had never played in a movie, but on the other hand, uh, he's so charismatic on stage or in every single interview or TV show that he's in that I say, well, it's not a problem. He knows he's not shy in front of a camera. And uh, uh, when I met him, we also discussed about uh, how lucky uh, Godard was to have Fritz Lang saying yes to his movie. And so, oh, if yeah. you say yes, uh, you know, Godard has Fritz Lang and I would have you. And he's a big admirer of Fritz Lang. Uh, and when he was a film critic before becoming um, a screenwriter uh, and a film director, Dario Argento, one of his very first interviews as a film critic was with Fritz Lang. And uh, so we well, talked a lot about Fritz Lang. And, <laughs> and then uh, also he, he was preparing a, a future film, but his uh, uh, future film, uh, Dark uh, Glasses, was delayed. So uh, he was kind of put in a... Um, on hold for two months until the pre-production of his own movie could start. So instead of just waiting at his house, okay, I'll just go to Paris and spend like six, one week uh, checking the wardrobe and, and four weeks shooting the movie. Um, and he, I believe he really enjoyed shooting it and he's very proud. And yeah. he, he said, oh, let's make... Uh, this make of this movie a triumph. So we went to Cannes out of competition. But when, when we screened at midnight, he came into the audience room, the, to the screen, when we was raising his arms and everybody was applauding. There was a standing ovation. And it was really, so it, was a, it, was a, it was a total <laughs> triumph even before the movie started. Oh, <laughs> the so movie sweet. could have been very bad. The, 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 um, the opening of the, of the screen was so funny that. Uh, <laughs> and, but is it something that you would uh, do? Be an actor someday in a film. Uh, I, I've been proposed a few times lately to be in movies, but um, uh, it all depends on who you're uh, working with in front of the camera. There are some people you want to have fun with in front of the camera, playing the good guy or the bad guy or, or whatever. But uh, also, it all depends on on how much dialogue you have to learn or not to learn. If people let you be what you are, it's much easier. You can put a wig on, you can put a, a dress on, but uh, you can still be yourself. Uh, in some cases, they, they ask you to be something very different from what you are. And uh, I refuse many, many movies. Mm. Lately, sometimes it was just for one scene, sometimes it was for five days of shooting, but uh, uh, I, I, I thought it would be awkward to, to put a, uh, 19th century outfit and being in a circus as a manager of a circus or things like that. Yeah, maybe if Dario Argento will ask you one day, you can uh, yeah. return the favor. 
I wouldn't mind being in a movie like Independence Day, a zombie who gets killed by a flying, <laughs> <laughs> by a flying saucer or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was proposed because um, uh, my, my parents were Argentinian and I was born in Argentina. My, 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 uh, my Spanish is fluent with an Argentinian accent, but lately there was a friend who went to shoot uh, a movie in, in Argentina, um, a European friend. Uh, and. Uh, so oh, they want to do a cameo in the movie, uh, and finally said oh, yes, but it didn't happen. But uh, uh, I was supposed to be the kind of journalist. But uh, I said yeah, I could make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen uh. for other reasons, uh, uh-huh. because they changed the dates and I couldn't go anymore. Actually, Argentina is a place I I don't really uh, feel in in your work. No, I've never I, I never shot a movie in Argentina. I was assistant director to an Argentinian director called Fernando Solanas, who used to live in in France uh, and who moved back to Argentina. Then he started a political career. He was doing documentaries, etc., and many narrative movies. But um, I, I worked twice there as a assistant director. Yeah. Mm. And my father lives there, and I go every year, once, twice, sometimes three times. But not uh, the setting for uh, one of your stories? Uh, no. Uh, no. Up to this day, I shot movies in uh, only in France and in Japan. Yeah. And I did a short movie once in Without Dialogues in, in Cuba, but it was a short film. I see. I recently I saw in an interview that uh, Tokyo is a place that you would seriously consider moving to in the in the in the future is that so uh, yeah I, I spent so much time in tokyo i've been there like 30 times probably i'll go there n- next month and i'll uh but there's another city that i've never been to that and everybody who knows me says oh that's a, the 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 japanese city that will turn you crazy it's osaka so uh, next time i go to japan Probably I'll try to 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 rent an apartment for two weeks and and discover Osaka. It's it's uh it's a it's a city that screams a lot more than Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. But I, sure. I, actually, you know what? There's a weird thing when you when you go to Tokyo, you don't want to hang out with your European friends, American friends, Argentinian friends. You too. Uh, I, I I mostly when I was there, I was always like quitting all 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 my friends. <laughs> and disappearing in the city and just meeting people who would not speak English and spend the whole night having yeah. fun, not understanding one word of what they were saying. But uh, uh, I, I like like uh, being like a fish uh, the out, city out needs of his stomach. <laughs> Tokyo needs you, I'm sure. I think I, I myself, I'm uh, from Japan. Yeah. And uh, all your experiences from Tokyo have been so different than the ones that I've had. Yeah. I think it's also the, the luck that you can have as an outsider in, in such a machine city. Yeah, also so, like uh, the, the people permit you a lot of things because you're a foreigner. They, they say, oh, this, this guy is not, a, it's not even human, it's a mad dog that doesn't understand how things work here. And you know, the, the, you can misbehave uh, and then people let you do things that they would never let a Japanese person that's do. That's so nice. Uh, and yeah, but um, when I was there, uh, I've never been more careful in my whole life about drugs than when I was in Japan, yeah. because most of my friends were arrested just for a filter of a joint or or for having a pee test, and they, they would spend six months in jail just because uh, the, the the police proved that the, the the person had smoked marijuana once ten days before, and then wow, six months of jail, and you're thrown away from the country. So uh, each time I, I was going to Japan 
two weeks before going there, I wouldn't accept any joint, any pill, mm -mm. anything to make sure that I could pee yeah. <laughs> in front of, in front of, in, in a police station, and they they couldn't blame me for for doing drugs. So, uh, but then because I was hanging out with lots of party guys there, I was drinking like like never before. Uh, and uh, Japan turned me alcoholic in some ways. Eh? You're the, 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 I think Enter the Void is the wet dream of a lot of uh, Japanese uh, kids who want to uh. live wildly but are not able to. It's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so, so I know some, 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 some like French kids or, or whatever who said, oh, we, we, we wanted to go to Tokyo after seeing your movie. But they, they, <laughs> they go to Tokyo because they think it's easy to go there, take pe ecstasy pills, sell LSD and make it funny. But then they all end up in prison. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm kind of responsible. Oh, yeah, yeah. For, for what do you do, Gaspar? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to go back a little bit to, uh, to Vortex um, because what is so beautiful in this film is or in all your films is that uh, you have a style of filming where it is almost as if uh, gravity doesn't exist anymore and um, it's it, you put people in a dream where uh, they lose a sense of self and and uh, dreaming which is also a theme that is uh, now it's it's uh, an important I, I, theme I, in no, I, I don't believe in the ground that much mm. uh, each time I wake up wake up in the morning I feel it's like a new dream starting. Uh, I never, I mostly never remember my dreams or once every two weeks uh, I remember what I dreamt of. But otherwise when you open your eyes, oh shit, we're getting into uh, like a, a new dream. Well, that is, I guess what Vortex is also does is it's, it's, the real, it's a very grounded uh, film in that sense. Yeah, it's grounded, yeah, but, uh, but you can tell that the, all the characters are totally spaced out. And also that whatever they do, uh, at the end it has no uh, it has no consequences because of the, the 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 river of time will erase them. They're spacing up, but they're not trying to escape to somewhere. They're actually, I guess, more trying to hold on to the ground uh, yeah, rather than anything. To the to the, yeah, to the to the dry womb that is the the apartment of the parents. Yeah. One line that I, I liked very much uh, yeah. from your film is that uh, one character at one point says that life is about either taking drugs or becoming old. Oh, yeah. The, 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 no, in, uh, I did not write the dialogues in my movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had a seven-page script that, 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 that I turned into a ten-page script but uh, by just making the letters bigger. But the, so uh, all the dialogues in the movie were improvised by the, the, the Argento, François Robin, who I asked to mumble instead of uh, articulating, or um, Alex Ritz. And uh, there are some scenes with Alex Roots uh, giving pi uh, crack pipes and, ne and needles to the real junkies that, that we cast at from the streets. And so uh, those scenes in which he's talking with the, the, his junkie friends or the crackheads from, from, from the streets, the, 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 those guys are real crackheads. And so I didn't know what they would say or not. And sometimes if you, on, during the first take, they, they come up with a good idea. I say, oh, can you repeat that? So uh, I think he came, came out with, with, with that idea. You know, it's so during the first on. take, it's oh. also for, for some people. Uh, and in, in the movie, uh, uh, the character of Alex says he's a film director doing documentaries. Uh, I would say he's a failed 
film director mm -hmm. that probably had some little jobs and, uh, and also probably became a failed director because he was doing heroin and doesn't, that doesn't help you to, 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 to work in, um, I say in, a, in a constructive way. Uh, but I know many guys who are like him who still say I'm a film director because they, they directed one, two pop videos and, and probably one, two documentaries that no one has seen. But they're very cool guys, very intelligent, but they, 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 they took wrong decisions uh, or party decisions all their lives. And so uh, uh, I don't relate to, the, to the, the, the son's character as much as I relate to the father's character uh, played by Dario Argento, who's yeah. more like a, a successful film critic who actually is handling a, a very difficult situation. But um, when he came with this uh, sentence, Alex, saying, yeah, life is about taking drugs or getting old, I, I don't believe it, I, I don't believe it. But uh, it was his idea, and it fits to the character who, who doesn't see any future uh, an intellectual future to his own life, so it's just so if I get old, um, I'm gonna become like my mother, or if I do drugs, uh, I'm just gonna hit the wall. Uh, it's funny, but uh, I almost uh, died two years and a half ago of a brain hemorrhage, a sudden brain hemorrhage in the middle of the afternoon. But uh, I was sent to the hospital, I did morphine for three weeks, I survived without damage. But um, when you get close to, to, to those situations, you just feel like you're, you're gonna hit a wall and there is nothing behind. It's just like a, uh, the, the, the final moment is when you hit the wall and then tick, the movie's over. Like when, you, like when you're watching a movie and you fall asleep, suddenly fall asleep, like the movie's over and you didn't notice it. Uh, no one's gonna know what, what your past life was if you didn't write it down. I was lucky to meet the right people who helped me to finance movies that I thought were kind of personal, but uh, some very talented person uh, uh, didn't have the, the luck to be in Paris uh, meeting the people that I met who helped me to, to, to make my own movies. Making movies is a very collective art. And uh, also it's, a, it's an art that needs um, it's not always art, but when it's an art, it needs uh, money to, 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 to be created also. Yeah. And maybe uh, for those uh, lost sons who don't have the money or the means or made the wrong decisions, uh, as uh, Alex in the film, what's, what type of advice do you have for these young sons of yours that uh, are trying to become uh, a great man like you Try are? Try again. But yeah, I, I know, for example, in, in Paris, a girl who's a, an excellent painter, but she doesn't want to expose her paintings because she's uh, afraid that people have uh, weird reactions to her work and say, well, 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 is, well, well, that's not an issue. You have to show, if you paint, it's to communicate, to show it. If you want to make movies, you, you want to make them to show them to other people. But um, I was born with a father who was uh, successful painter so for me like a painting is what is, is the first part then you have to expose the painting sell it and do another painting so it, th that's the whole process but uh, there's so many people who write scripts all their lives and they don't even go to propose it to producers so you have you have, because they're shy at the end shyness doesn't help when it yeah. comes to cinema Maybe these uh, fearless words are a 
way to end uh, this interview. Thank you so much, Gaspar. We're already looking forward to, to your next film. Oh, wow. And that's a wrap. We are truly grateful to Gaspar for taking the time to speak with us. I'm sure after listening, you understand why we're running a retrospective on such an interesting character in cinema right now. Of course, as I mentioned, you can watch many of his films from Irreversible, Enter the Void, Climax, Love, and also The Screening Vortex, his latest film. Don't forget, his, some of his favourites will also be screening Profondo Rosso, An Opera by Dario Argento, and of course, the infamous Salo. We want to take this moment also to thank Paradiso Films for arranging this. To find other great interviews like this, including the likes of Mia Hansen Love and her latest film, Ambo Matan, and Martin de Young's latest film, Narcosis, you can find more episodes at Celebrating Cinema on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and share this episode so more people can find out what Gaspar has to say. I'm sure many more will be interested to hear. So, what's up next? Our next episode will be on Film Noir, Tales from Nightmare Alley, another program we are running here at the moment at Lab 111. We'll be exploring such an iconic moment in Hollywood cinema that truly left its mark. Find out more about the history and some of the moments that marked us. So, what's left to do? See the films, buy the book, take the cannoli! As always, this was a Lab 111 production, produced by myself, Elliot, music from Hugo Amazal and artwork from Studio FFF. Until next time, folks.